Good morning, Dunbar family. So good to be gathered together today, looking at God's Word, being gathered as a community. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Dave, and I get to watch over our youth and young adults here. It's so good to be with you on this one, two, three, third Sunday in Advent. And yes, there's, as you can see by the candles, only four Sundays in Advent and Christmas. So some of you are thinking, whoa, that is a little too fast. There's a little too much going on. And some of you might be thinking, oh, it can't come soon enough. It can't come soon enough. Now, this is one of those seasons, and most of us are experiencing like you know, all the sort of expectations of the season, right? Concerts and school projects and exams and work deadlines, lots and lots and lots of social obligations. And most of us are probably thinking, oh, I've got to do this better next year, got to do this better next year. It's so much stuff. And not only on top of that, you're thinking, okay, this is Christmas, and I, I should be thinking more about Jesus. How about our Christian expectations as well? Jesus being the whole reason for the season. What are our expectations of Christmas? Celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the little town of Bethlehem. I don't know how about you, but I'm kind of feeling a little bit of expectations overload this season. Now, to kind of personalize it a bit, last few weeks for me, have been a series of shifting expectations. Maybe the same for you, just all over the map. Now, just one of them involves my work in foster care. Just one of them. There's many of them. And so for the past few years, I've been working uh, and helping and doing respite for this one family. So the social worker and I, we thought, okay, let's plan this season well. So we got together and took, you know, a good length of time, an hour and a half, two hours to plan out the season, Right? Okay, and it was a bit challenging. You know, I had a few challenges for me there, but I felt this is workable. This is workable. Expectations reasonable, right? And to quote SpongeBob, a few hours later, I get a call, and that whole plan, that whole plan no longer worked. No longer, I was needed right now. Right now. Not just like uh, maybe tomorrow or next, no, right now. And I, had, I was like, okay, I agree. Let's do this. Expectations, poof, shot, right? And since then, since those few weeks ago, those expectations and plans have changed and shifted a bunch of times. So multiple expectations thrown into a mess. And maybe that's the same for many of you. Now, what happens when your plans, your expectations exceed your abilities? Like, I can't do this. What happens when your plans and expectations just keep on changing? Well, I know for me, probably for you too, you kind of get stressed. You kind of get a little anxious with these big expectations. Maybe your sleeping kind of gets a little messy. Maybe our patterns of eating and work and life get messed up as well. And our confidence can also get messed. And with all these expectations going on around us and others' expectations of us, our relationships can get messier too. Work seems to get harder, especially in this season. And I'm going to strive more and more to achieve what I think I should achieve. And very likely the conversation can start blaming others or even blaming myself. I don't moot you, but I for sure want to keep control of this, the little few things that I can control, right? Now, 
what does my time in relationship with Jesus this Christmas season start to look like? Well, it can get messy and fragile too. And so here we are coming into that Christmas season with a bit of a kind of poisonous recipe for the Christmas season, not the kind of Christmas cake you want to bring to Christmas. If only there was an answer. If only there was an answer for all these crazy expectations and pressures on us. If only there was an answer to our striving and selfish striving, our sinful and life-draining state of mind. Well, there is. And I'm just so excited to open up Romans chapter 8 with us today, this amazing, amazing chapter of the Bible, just the first six verses. So if you have a Bible app or if you have a Bible, would you open up to Romans chapter 8 as we look at this chapter that has both cosmic and intimate perspective on the love and salvation of God? And when you find that, would you stand with me? As I read to us, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is God's Word. You may be seated. Now today, we're going to look at the two ways to live described in this very passage, kind of condensed in this very passage, this selfish striving and the Spirit-filled surrender. Selfish striving and Spirit-filled surrender, and the consequences and gifts of each as the Lord teaches us through His Word today. So first, we're going to look at this kind of natural state, the way that the world and culture and humanity live without God's presence and empowerment. Paul calls this the flesh, and we'll get into that a bit, sinful flesh. It's basically the self-orientated life without a right relationship with God. Now, if we're coming kind of into Romans 8, it's a pretty big chapter. We're just going to look back just a little bit to, to give us some context, to give us sort of a flavor to what God is doing, the great things that God is doing. So Romans chapter 7, I'm just going to read a little bit. We're not going to dwell on it too long, but it's super helpful. This is what it says, starting at verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. That's kind of the bad news. I do not understand what I do. And this is important. For I, what I want to do, I do not do. This, this desire to do what's good, right? I don't do that. But what I hate, I do. 
And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me, that sort of indwelling work of sin. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. This is the bad news. This is the hard news. This is the news about the natural state of life apart from God. Now, there's way, way too much in this passage to unpack, and one of your expectations of me is that I finish this sermon before Christmas. So, we're just going to catch a few simple things as we come into our passage today. Just three simple things. First, we're sinful. Most of us have probably heard that before. We're in this state of constant striving without God. Second, that the law or God's boundaries, they're actually good. Love God, love others, don't steal and murder. Those are, those are good laws. And third is that we fail. We fail at doing the good we even expect of ourselves to do. So selfish striving, failing God's good boundaries. Now, if you're a visual person, I am definitely a visual person. I like kind of visual pictures. The Bible has a great one in Ecclesiastes. And the, the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, okay, this is what life is like. All life is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind, chasing after the wind, grasping vapor, trying to hold on to like desert sand. It's toil, it's striving, it's vain. Now, just to kind of make this personal, that's been my experience as well. This describes me perfectly in high school and university constantly striving after my definition of the good life. And I lived in Toronto, so it was the Toronto good life. Constantly striving after success for me. Now, once I got into university, I got involved in every sort of club and group I possibly could, but I needed more, so I ended up transferring to UBC. And I finished off one degree, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to finish off another degree. So there I jumped in right into another, constantly striving. Now I was a qualified educator, striving so hard, and now I was a teacher. And at the end of my degree, eh, nothing. No job, nothing. I was so disappointed, so upset, so restless, striving after the wind. Now, working hard wasn't the problem. That's not what I'm talking about. Working hard is actually really important and can be absolutely fantastic for our Christian life. No. My absolute need for success and my definition of the good life had one focus, me. And when I didn't get what I needed, my expectations weren't met. It created this restlessness and constant striving. Now, our passage describes this life as not a real life at all. Verses 2 and verses 5 and 6 are super helpful. Let me read those to us in Romans chapter 8. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And listen to this. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Ooh. 
flesh, sin, death. This is a description of a life without God, a life of striving after your own kind of good life. Now, flesh isn't just kind of like skin and muscles, as most of us know, right? In the Bible, the body is actually a good thing. Jesus himself rose bodily in the resurrection to bring our salvation, right? It's totally necessary. Now, in Romans here, flesh is kind of a word picture, and it's a word picture of self-orientation, the way of this world, this culture, insisting on there's no real need for God, this kind of godless life. And sin, yes, is the rejection of God's rule. For sure, we heard that in Romans chapter 7 before, right? And not doing the good that we want to do, but instead evil things, right? But I think significantly for us, in particular in our culture, it's like, okay, is it just doing bad things? No, it's more than that. Most sort of significantly, sin is kind of a prideful heart that leads to those disobedient actions in this broken relationship with the loving God who made us for himself. So our passage is clear. When we live a life of striving for ourselves in pride and rejection of God, our minds are fixed in the flesh, right, and characterized by sin. And the Bible tells us that not only are we kind of restless and chaotic, but we're actually dead. Death is our reward. That that sounds pretty harsh, but just a few chapters earlier in Romans chapter 6, Paul says, for the wages of sin is Death. Yikes. Sin and death. Trapped and enslaved in restless chaos. Sin and death and God's right judgment. And this is my story too. In my striving, in my restlessness, back when I was in university days, a series of other things had also happened. And I've I've shared this a few times, but I'll share it again. I was living a super unhealthy lifestyle, a party lifestyle, seeking my own desires and pleasures, drinking, and really not great choices for relationships. I was so desperate and unhappy. And for some very unexpected reasons, I got rejected by a friendship group, and so I became quite lonely and isolated. And as I was finishing up school, right, you have all these classmates, but as I was finishing up, I was kind of no longer going to be with those students And I kind of lost my regular purpose. And I'm not saying anything bad about Dunbar. I love Dunbar. But I had a rental place in Dunbar, which was not one of those good ones, but one of those really bad ones, which was kind of gross and unhealthy. And so I was even physically kind of suffering. Now, I felt so chaotic and lost and dark when I should be expecting happiness and even triumph. I just finished school. This is great, right? But instead, it felt like death. So from the outside, I would look kind of of successful. I did pretty well in school. He's got this degree and all that kind of thing. But on the inside, my mind was set, stuck, trapped in myself, my way, my striving. And I was dead inside, restless and desperate for something more, desperate for life. And If you had asked me, and I wasn't a Christian, like, hey, so if there's a heaven and hell, where would you be going? I'd be like, you know what? Probably the other place. I don't think I deserve to go to whatever heaven is. 
And I was just expecting more of the same in my life. But, but what we can expect from God is just so much better. The coming of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus. God with us is so much better. Listen to the words we just sang from our Advent series. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. And listen to this. Let us find our rest in thee. Releasing us from sin, finding true rest and peace. This is what Jesus gives. Life and peace. Listen to our passage once again. There is that now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in his own flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And hear this, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but... The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. In this second part of our time, we're going to hear God's beautiful response to all our longings, all our desires, all our expectations, all our restlessness and death-like chaos. So in the remainder of our time, let's parse out the beautiful reality summarized right here in verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Let's first look at how, how life as God intended is for us, and then at peace as God has meant for us. So we've been talking about sin and death and the reality of this brokenness and separation with God and others and even separation from the world and ourselves. What happens when we aren't ruled by sin and death? We've already looked at this brokenness and separation. That's the reality of sin and death. Our striving and seeking for ourselves, whatever we may call the good life. But Jesus, our long-expected Savior, Messiah, breaks us free and releases us from the power of sin and death and hell and Satan. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What did Jesus come into this world to do? To set us free by coming in the flesh, incarnate. That's what the word means. He came to condemn sin in the flesh, right? To say no to that, to bring that to the cross. He came to do what we could not. And he came to overpower and overcome sin and death in his body, overcome judgment in his body. He came to go to the cross to be our Savior. 
And in this season, we hear this numerous times. We heard it on Friday, again, really in a wonderful way. This passage where the angel comes to the shepherds. And the angel says this, says this to us and says this to the shepherds then. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, Christ the Lord. Jesus has come to transform life as we know it, lives of striving, sin, and death. He has come to bring true life. This Christmas, this Advent, what sin, what chaos, what darkness like death holds and grips you? Jesus has come to offer you life. To continue my story a little bit, and I've told this a little bit before, I can bear witness to the transformation of when Jesus comes into your life. When I was just finishing up UBC, and I experienced this darkness and death that kind of characterized my existence. With the coming, the advent of Jesus in my life, everything changed. And as I've kind of already shared uh, in a couple of times when I've been up here, I kind of had that moment where I, I did my best to kind of like, oh, I am just completely uh, overwhelmed. And I didn't know who I was talking to or what I was talking to, the universe or God. I wasn't a Christian. But I went for a little walk in Shaldacott Park, which is just really down the street here. Got into the middle of the park. I was in such darkness and turmoil and death and sin, and it had this kind of unbreakable grip on me, and I just opened up my heart, just this tiniest crack, and I cried out to God or whoever for life, for my soul, which I felt I completely lost, and something happened, something spiritually overwhelming, beautifully powerful happened, and this is my story. Life poured into me. Light poured into my soul. Joy overwhelmed my being. I experienced that. And as I came to understand a bit later, this was the Holy Spirit of God coming and resting and abiding with me, filling me with a life like I had never known. In those moments, as I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time, there was no brokenness. There was no sin. There was no death. Only life and joy and light. Only Jesus. Jesus came to give us life, a life of fullness, eternal life, even joy in this life. Do you know this? Do you experience this, even in this season? Do you expect this? So yes, reality is, in this world, we have trouble and we will have trouble. Jesus teaches this. But the life he gives us, his own life, is a life that has overcome the world. And the life that God wants for us is a life of faith and fullness and light, and joy. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And Jesus offers us life, His own life, but not just a life on our own just to do what we want. No. It's a life that's filled with something more, a life 
that has relationship, a life of peace that is so great. And as we've said, this kind of restlessness in us, this result of brokenness and separation with God and others in the world and even ourselves, what's the result of Jesus breaking sin and death? What's the result of Jesus offering us his true life? It's peace. It's peace. Peace with God. Peace with others. Peace with ourselves. Peace with all of creation that we live in. Listen to our powerful verses again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, we couldn't do it on our own, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. He offered His life. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law, everything that needed to happen for judgment, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who did not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The answer is in Christ Jesus. Yes, we're separated from God by sin and judged and rightly judged by God but the answer is in Christ Jesus. We are too broken and weak to live the good or righteous life, but the answer is in Christ Jesus. We don't have the wisdom or ability to make the right decisions on our own, but the answer is in Christ Jesus. And yes, this is the life lived by the Spirit of God and in the Spirit of God. And we'll get to this beautiful expectation in just a moment. And most of us have probably heard some of this before. I know it's Christmas and we're sharing the good news of Jesus. And many of you have heard that, yes, Jesus did die on the cross for our sins to bring us into true and right relationship with life, with God in a new life, this peace with God. And most of us have probably heard that Jesus calls us to live in right relationship, peace-filled relationships with others of love and forgiveness, even our enemies. Maybe some of you have even heard that a life following Jesus gives us love and care for kind of creation and all of that which is around us, which later in Romans groans. We're actually kind of attached to creation, how we are engaged with creation. These are all very true and essential for the Christian life. But something I heard uh, from a dear friend who is preaching up at a Christian camp many years ago that I often forget. And he said this, he said that, we often forget that Jesus has also come to give us peace with ourselves. Peace in ourselves, all that striving and longing and expectations in ourselves. And I know much of our current culture is trying to find practices and helps to move us towards peace, to lift our fears and anxieties. And there's some excellent, excellent science and neurological studies and many good counseling works to, to help us in that way. And these things are so useful. And I've personally benefited and seen many good things in my own life and the kids that I work with in foster care. I use the, all sorts of things like weighted blankets and, you know, breathing and stuff, like very good things. But the peace the Bible is teaching about is even deeper and richer and greater. And to make this personal yet again, 
if I'm honest, the last few weeks, I've not had a lot of outward peace, a lot of outward peace inputs. Let's just put it that way. Now, I am so grateful to God that He has called me to be a foster parent, to care for kids and families who are often stuck in in brokenness and darkness and poor choices and harm. But these last few weeks have been particularly hard. And I'm not going to get into the details, but I have had a very hard time finding peace, finding rest for my restlessness, fears and anxiety. And yes, I've been doing many of those healthy practices, you know, trying to do some exercise and get good counsel and people around me. And even though as a Christian, I have tried all the things I know to do, I still have frustrations and disappointments. And many things are so far out of my control. And I could ask, and you could ask, where is this peace you talk about, Jesus? Where is it? And yes, maybe this part of my story at this season feels a little extreme. But all of us, I think, could ask this question. Where is this peace that you talk about, Jesus? Where is this life with light and and joy? What does Jesus say to you and to me in the midst of our frustrated expectations, even in this season? And many of you know where I'm going to go. Matthew 11. The answer is Jesus, of course. Just listen to Jesus' words to us. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest with God. Rest with others, even ourselves, even with the creation around us, even in snowy, rainy days. We need to come to Jesus. And not just once, not just twice, over and over and over again. And the beauty is, even in our passage, it kind of gives us the key to how and why this is all possible, even in this very messy, troubled world. Our hearts and minds are in this place of restlessness. But when we bring and surrender our hearts and minds to Jesus, in the presence and the power and the peace of the Holy Spirit, we will have the peace that God offers. And this is how I would like to wrap us up. This appeal, this encouragement, this invitation to life in the Spirit of God, the life of faith in Jesus Christ. And what we're being offered and invited into through faith in Jesus, is a life of abiding, of the work of the Holy Spirit coming and abiding and being with us and in us and working through us. And it's a life of surrender in the Spirit, surrendering our self, our expectations, all the death and chaos and sin and brokenness of this world. Because the very source of rest and peace and the life of Jesus is yours. It's yours. It's mine. And so I invite us, maybe for the first time, but maybe for the thousand millionth time, surrender your sin. Surrender the things that break the relationship with you and God. Surrender that to God. He will and does and has forgiven you. Surrender your chaos. Surrender the things we can't control. There's no way we can surrender that to God. God is the God of peace. We'll bring order. 
surrender death and all the fears we have surrounding death. Surrender hell and judgment. Yes, we're to be rightly judged because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. That is no longer our story. The righteous requirements of the law have been met in Jesus. Surrender hell and judgment. It's no longer ours. Surrender your life. Surrender your life. Hear these verses once again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, to offer Himself. And He so condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, fully met in us, who live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, surrendered to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set stuck on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set, surrendered on what the Spirit desires. Because the mind governed by the flesh is death, as we've said. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So surrender then. Set your mind and heart on Jesus this season. Set your mind away from sin and flesh and death. Set your mind as the Spirit who dwells in you, as the Spirit leads you. Listen for the work of the Spirit. Be in prayer. Be in God's Word. Allow the Spirit to lead you. Set your mind on life. Here and now and hope of heaven. I confess, I have to. I have to surrender the chaos and pain of foster care. I have to do that. To do that constantly. I have to surrender it. I can't hold that. I need to reset my mind in the spirit. So if you ask me, do you have peace? Do you have peace? Okay. Do you? Yes, I do. I have it. It's available to me. I don't always feel it. I don't always feel it. Can pretty much confess that. But I can trust and expect that true peace from Jesus in the Spirit, as can you, as we surrender and surrender and surrender. Because what? The mind governed by the flesh, it's death. But the mind governed and led and set in the Spirit of God, in the work of Jesus, is what? Life and peace life and peace. Amen.